Amen. Thank you, ladies, for that special in song. All right, Matthew chapter 7 this morning, Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we're continuing in our series, A Solid Foundation. I mentioned last week that I'd be revisiting this passage of Scripture tonight, this morning. Uh, and we looked at this a little bit on Wednesday. And uh, we're going to be revisiting it, part of the series here. And uh, two verses, two verses that we know well. I can turn down my microphone a little bit. It's a teeny bit loud. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, oh, now it's gone. All right. Up a little bit. Right there. There we go. All right. Is that good? Everybody can hear me? Okay. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, 8, two very simple verses. And, you know, sometimes I think we look at the Bible and we miss this powerfulness of simplicity when we look at the Bible. The gospel is simple. Amen. And it is powerful. Uh, we have this idea that if it's not complicated, then it's not a, a powerful truth. These two verses can be life-changing verses. And the premise of this entire series is the end of Matthew chapter 7, the invitation of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, are uh, considered the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, and the sermon that Jesus Christ preached to those on the Mount and to his disciples and to multitudes there. And really the foundational aspects of the Christian life, the foundation of living life for God. And he gives the illustration at the end that whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man that built his house upon the what? The rock. The rock of the word of God. The rock of God's wisdom. And when adversity came, when the winds blew and the rains fell and beat upon that house, did it fall? No, it didn't fall. Any life built on the word of God will never fall. Amen. Oh, it'll endure beating. It'll endure battering. It'll endure the devil trying to destroy. But what did Jesus promise? That the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. Against his church and against his people. If we build our life on the foundation of the word of God. But he also said, But whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the what? Sand. And if you know sand, you know, if you know clay and sand, if you're in Texas, we know sand and we know clay, we know rocks, right? And, but if you build, if you go to the beach and you build something upon the sand, guess what? Water and sand don't mix because the space in between uh, the sand particles is so great, the water gets in there and it just melts away. So when the rains came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell. And Jesus said, in great was the fall of it. It was notable. You know what? What do we see on the news all the time? You know, we see the landslides in California. wonder why they happen there. Anyway, but you know, in, in different uh, California or you go to Arizona, different places, you see a lot of rain and you see mudslides and you see uh, in Florida, you know, they have the big uh, sinkholes that open up and then the house goes in there and you end up on the five o'clock news. Why? Because it's a notable thing. And you know what? And it's a sad thing. We all know of people they've had that happen. The sinkhole opens up, the mudslide comes, and their life is fallen. And great is the fall of it, and it's sad, and it's heartbreaking, and it's not God's plan for you. And so that's the purpose of the series, and we're coming down to the end, only this sermon and one more, and then we're going to finish up the series. I will just say this, this is probably my favorite series I've ever preached through. Um... My, my number one favorite is 
uh, questions you're afraid to ask your pastor. That was my, my favorite one. This is my second favorite one. Uh, and I just love going through the Word of God and just seeing each truth build and build and build. So this morning, Matthew chapter 7, we're already there. Verses 7 and 8, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be Open. We look at this truth. These are simple truths. Three simple yet very powerful truths. Maybe think it's okay, Pastor. How much of a sermon is in the in there? All right. Actually, a great one because do we look at the simplicity of what is being said? Let's just be honest this morning. Do we really believe that if we ask God for something, He is going to grant our request? Just like that, as a, matter of, as a matter of fact, if I ask someone for their Bible or if I walk up to my wife and I ask her for something that she is going to hand it to me, do we believe God will answer in a, as matter of fact and tangible way as we would ask anybody else? As a, well, you know, pastor, you know, I, you know, I believe God answers prayer. Praise God because he does, amen? He answers prayer, but where, how do we ask him? In what frame of mind? Are we asking in a particular way? Now, remember, this is Jesus saying, this is what you do. Jesus, this was a teaching sermon. He taught them how to pray, and he very simply gave them this. Now, I'll just say this right up front. Unfortunately, what has been ruined, there's been several things that get ruined. Uh, One of them is the health and wealth prosperity gospel has ruined this passage of Scripture. Uh, And so to the point that we get afraid to really stand on it. Isn't that how the devil works? Makes you afraid. The same way the Pentecostals have made us afraid of the Holy Spirit. That we, well, we don't pre, we don't talk about that. You know, in the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, we can stand upon these verses. So let's look at them this morning. First, number one, we're going to look at asking. But let's break down word by word what this verse says in the first phrase here. Ask and it shall be given you. What does the word ask mean? It means to request. To seek, to obtain by words, to petition. So it's a very simple phrase, right? Very simple word. We know what ask means. We go to someone, you know, and if you go and you can petition at the store to get a discount on something, you know, uh, you go, maybe the box is ripped a little bit, and you can go and petition the manager of the store, can I get a discount on this? If you don't know how to do that, go ask Mrs. Harvey. She'll teach you how, okay? Uh, you know, if you don't, if you go to Sam's Club, and you know those that meat, and you go up to the meat person, the butcher up there, can you give us a discount? Ask my wife and Miss Harvey how to do that. They know how to do that too. See, I'm one of those people, I don't like, I don't like asking those things. I'll just pay full price, you know. And, uh, and my wife says, make sure you ask for the discount. I'm like, sure, honey, sure, you know. And then she, has, she looks at the receipt. Did you ask for the discount? Well, I, I, I forgot, you know. They were busy. They were busy over there doing something else, you know. And we sometimes get bashful and we don't want to ask. Can I ask you something this morning? Do we get bashful and we don't want to ask God for a need we have in our life? Do we ask? Do we make requests? Do we seek to obtain by words to petition? What is God, what is Jesus saying? Ask. Ask your heavenly father. Ask me. And what is the next phrase here? And it shall be given you. Now the word shall, interesting word actually. If you look, if you're an English person, 
which I'm in the middle. I'm not a real big English person, but for the, those of you who are English people, where the way this is constructed, that shall can mean several different things. Uh, if shall is used in a particular way, it means an affirmative, but not a promise. But the way it is used here, it is authoritative, that it will happen, and it is a promise that it will be fulfilled. See, when shall is uttered with emphasis in such phrases, it expresses determination in the speaker and implies an authority to enforce the act. So God isn't saying, go and ask me, but then I can't fulfill. God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, and with all power, all things, as we learned this morning in Sunday school, are what? Under his feet. He has, has dominion and power over all things. And what is he saying? Just come to me and ask, and you shall. The same phrase as you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? It is a promise. It is an affirmative. It is an imperative sentence. This isn't, well, I'll think about it, or it could happen, or it's a roll of the dice. It is an imperative. He will answer, and you will receive what you asked for. And we see given. The word given, ask, and it shall be what? Given means to bestowed, granted, conferred, imparted. You're going to, it's going to be given to you. So if you go up and you ask at the post office for a stamp, what are they going to give you? A stamp. Okay, good. Okay, I'll make sure. No, I don't know. Well, it's the government. We don't know sometimes. But anyway, you know, uh, you know uh, that's a dangerous question to ask them a question sometimes. But, uh, but you're going to get a stamp, Right? You go to God and you ask a request, what are you going to receive? What you requested. Amen. Now, we know, so, well, okay, I'm going to go out right now and I'm going to go ask for a new car and a new this and a new this and a new this. Hold on. What does James tell us? Why do we not receive? Because why? We ask amiss. We ask amiss. What are you asking for? Let's bring it down to something that's a little bit more practical. But first, look at Psalm 3715. Look over there, Psalm 3715. And uh, we're going to look at James chapter 1 here in just a moment. Psalm 3715. Uh, Let us never say, though, that we do not have what we need because God failed to provide our needs. Amen? Psalm 3715, this is an exclamation of that. I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Amen. God always takes care of our needs. If we ask him, he is going to take care of our needs. But here's the thing. Many times we ask for our need to be met. God meets our needs sometimes in the way that we exactly what we ask for it. Also, he answers our need in ways we don't expect and in ways that shows even more his tender love and care because he knows all things. By the way, prayer is for us. God knows our needs. God knows what we need. But he doesn't grant it to us unless we what? Ask. Why? Because we need to have dependence upon the Lord. By the way, do we understand asking this of God? We're not annoying God. We're not troubling God. He wants to. It's part of our building of a loving and faithful relationship with him. But it says here, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. Don't ever think that God's going to let you down. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is perfect. He is all, uh, he is all knowing. He is all seeing. He is all powerful. He will never let us down. But do we really believe what we're reading here today? 
Ask. What are we reading? We're reading this simply. Ask and it shall be given you. Is that really what we believe? Do we act upon that? Because we can say we believe it, but do we act on it? Is it really that simple? Is it, ah, oh, there's got to be a catch here, preacher. Is it really that simple? Yes. It is that simple. We tend to overcomplicate things, don't we? Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. Our requirement is the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Do we believe that if we pray to God and ask requests that he is going to answer? And then we are not, not only that he's going to answer, but that we're going to receive what we asked for. Amen. Uh, Some of you young people out there, you haven't found a mate yet and you desire to be married. You're asking for a mate. God is going to provide. Amen. Mom and, right, mom and dad? Right, they say, amen. Better believe that. Don't go out there and say, well, God isn't doing it fast enough. <laughs> oh, that's where you get yourself in trouble. God provides perfectly on time. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Okay, so if we're going to have faith, you're going to have to have patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. We talk about this on Wednesday. Fulfillment, completed. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth, a promise here, to all men liberally and abradeth not. What does abradeth mean? Withhold or uh, being difficult. And it shall be given him. Doesn't this look familiar? Ask and it will be given to you. But... Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. What is this talking about? Just as tangibles, we go ask the postmaster for a stamp that we go to God and ask our request. And we don't have a single doubt in our mind that he is going to answer our request. Amen? If we do that, that's going to take care of worry. That's going to take care of anxiety. God is going to take care of your needs. Whether it's physical, it is financial, or it is spiritual, emotional, whatever your need is, let's go back to waiting for that special someone. God is going to provide, and then you don't need to sit and stress about it. Amen? Can I tell you something? I was the one that sat and stressed about it. Right? I mean, I was determined. My freshman year, I was going to meet the one. Right? And... um I was determined, and can I just tell you that? By the time that I wanted to have a relationship, I wasn't ready. I was an idiot. Okay, I was stupid. Okay, if you're 18 and 19 and 20 years old, guys, you're just stupid, okay? I'm just saying, you're not ready yet. Maybe somebody out there is. I know I wasn't, okay? And uh, so, but it wasn't until, I don't think even when I got married, I was quite ready. You know, people say, I'm ready to get married. No, you're not, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you think you are, but then you get married for about three days, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not ready for this. But uh, that's why you need to ask wisdom of God, amen? I believe this verse is written to married people, uh, those that are to be married here, and everyone that lacks wisdom. Do we lack wisdom? We do. What do I do? Ask and receive. We hear this often, but we, have we slowed it down that we really understand and apply what we're thinking of here? Asking in faith. Do you really believe that God is going to give what you're asking for? 
Let's bring this more a little bit more practical. It said, you know, if you have an area, we looked at Hebrews and how that, the end of Hebrews chapter 2, he says that he will secure, he will help those who are overtaken in temptation. Those that are tempted with sin, that he is going to enable you to have victory in that area. Can I tell you something here this morning? Do you believe that God can give you victory if you ask him over the sin that's in your life? Do we really believe that? People shy away from that right now. People, are, a lot of churches are shying away, well, you know, it's this, it's yes, that, and this, and this, and this, and yes, we need to know the word of God, amen, but also at the same time, we need to take God at his word, and we say, Lord, I am not strong enough to endure in this moment. When you're getting ready to click on that dirty website, do you, and by the way, uh, if, you, if you're in that situation, you should take whatever electronic you device you have at that moment, just throw it against the wall. Take a phone out and take, take a, a smash. Uh, I'll never forget this. I, I taught my children a lesson. You may think I'm a little bit of extreme here. But uh, there was time that uh, we had an iPad in our house, okay? And we had an iPad, and it was just, it was controlling our house. It was controlling the kids. It was controlling everything. And you know what? Uh, I was preaching on something. I think it was a revival time, actually. I think Brother Star was here. And Brother Star was preaching on not letting things control your home. You know what I did? I went outside. I took a pickaxe to it. In my backyard. And my kids thought I went insane. All right? But you know what? Sometimes you got to do that to just get rid of something. Okay? And I was like, well, you're just being overly dramatic. No, I wanted to illustrate something. This is not going to control our home. This isn't going to control. Is there anything wrong with an iPad? No. But if it controls part of your house, it controls your kids, it controls you, it's not good. Amen? So that we need to get rid of some things. So but do we ask God, God... I want to have victory in this area of my life. You will receive victory. Amen. But we need to make a decision that we want to have victory. Sometimes we say we do, but then we really don't. Because we're not willing to count the cost. We're not willing to give up whatever it is. If we pray, let's bring it in soul winning. If we pray and ask God, God, please guide me to someone today that needs to be saved. Lord, I ask for fruit. I ask that you would use me to lead someone to Christ today. As I go out and knock on doors on Operation Homefront, Lord, that I would see a soul saved today. Do you think he's going to answer? The problem is many times you don't go fishing long enough to catch something. You know, if you go fishing for 10 minutes, you're not going to catch anything maybe except a little sunfish. You know, maybe you're, uh, you know, if you're going to go bass fishing, if you go cat fishing here in Texas, you got to be patient. Got to go out there, and you got to do it at the right time. You got to leave. I don't think we're going to catch anything, but you know, you got to wait for that for that whopper. You know, sometimes we need to be out there more faithfully planting, more faithfully fishing. Well, I don't catch anything. How long do you spend? Oh, I spent thirty minutes this week, preacher. I spent a whole hour this month knocking on doors. You know, I spent a whole hour. Can I just tell you something? You're not going to catch anything with that. You need to be more faithful. You need to get out there. You need to start fishing more. But also, do you think God is going to grant your request? Do you know what some people do? They keep knocking on doors until they lead someone to Christ. They just keep going for hours and hours and hours and hours. They ask God, as God gave me, I've met people like that, that they say, God, I asked God for a soul and he promises he's going to answer my prayer. And they go knocking for four or five and six hours until they find someone and they lead him to Christ. Amen. Well, I don't have five or six hours to do that. Do you want God to answer your prayer? Sometimes God gives up. We have to have some what? Patience. Patience. 
But is God going to deliver what we ask for? Do we ask God with the expectation he's going to answer? Do we have an expectation that a prayer will not be answered? Do we have that idea? Well, God gets around to it. That's fine. But hey, if he doesn't answer it, it's okay. That's not the prayer of faith. Do we expect nothing to happen? And we wonder why our prayer life is non-existent and dry as the dust. Why? Because there's no faith there. Because you don't expect God to answer. There's a grave pandemic of doubt when it comes to the things of God today. Do we take God at his word? Let's look at second, seeking. Let's break down this verse. Look back at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. We see the first part of the verse that talks about asking. Okay, I understand. Asking, seeking. Seek and ye shall find. So what does seek mean? To go in search or quest of, to look for, to search for by going from place to place. Do we seek the things of God? Talk about this Wednesday. What are we seeking for? Are we seeking for direction? Or what are we seeking for? In the New Year's, I just need some direction in my life. Well, if you seek for that direction, shall, once again, when shall is uttered with emphasis in such phrases, it expresses determination in the speaker and implies an authority to enforce the act. You're going to what? Find. Literally, to come to, to meet, to discover by the eye, to gain first sight or knowledge of something lost, to recover either by searching for it or by accident. Sometimes we find things by accident, but that's not what's being talked about here. Seeking. You're going to find it. God does not hide himself from us. When we seek, when we need direction, when we need wisdom, when we seek for what we need, you're going to find it if you ask him. Do we believe that? Or do we spend, we spend so much time floundering in the dark, floundering in doubts, floundering in worry when God's going to show it to us in the right time? And we ask, we seek for that, we're going to find it. Do we really believe that? And we looked at seeking on Wednesday evening. Do you believe that God can guide you to what you seek? If you seek the flesh and its pleasures, you know what? Man can find that well enough on its own. If you're seeking for things, you're seeking for the pleasures of the flesh, we don't need any help finding that. We're real good at finding that. But spiritually speaking, if you seek the power and presence and smile of God, then you will find them. But do we believe that we will? Do we believe just studying the word of God is just another exercise in futility? Do we believe what the world says? You're not going to find the answers here. You're not going to find what you seek. You're not going to find peace and joy and blessing. You're not going to find it there. You're going to find it in all the other things. You know, how many people this morning have a hangover because they thought they would find what they desired in alcohol or drugs or whatever? Guess what? All they found was emptiness and distress and a massive headache and illness, right? Drunkenness is not a pretty thing. Amen? There's a reason why that the Bible says that wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Oh, all the beer and all the other things out there. It's a deception. It's not for, it's not for us. It's not for anybody. It's not fit for anybody to drink. It's not just for some people. 
especially for a Christian, you're deceived and you're foolish if you think you can drink that and it's not going to destroy everything in your life. It's sin. Amen? Well, it's popular today. It doesn't matter if it's popular. By the way, drunkenness, you know what? If you want to see what drunkenness brings, look at the street corners in our city. You want to see what drugs, that's what it brings. Drunkenness, drugs, all of that, that's where you're going to end up. Do we believe that God can guide us? Do we believe that we will find, or do we believe it is a fruitless journey that only a few stumble upon the wisdom of God, that it is some precious thing that only a certain few have it revealed to them? It is a precious thing, but that all can find. Do we seek for it, though? Do you seek? Young people, do you seek for the direction of God? Can I just tell you something? You know, some of you are coming up on graduating. Some of you are coming up here in the next year or two. Can I tell you something? There's something that I'm seeing more and more with young people is they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do. I see them grasping at straws, doing this, trying to figure something out, trying to find a mate, trying to find a direction, trying to find something for your life. Slow down. Be patient. A step at a time. Whenever you start grasping at straws, trying to figure something out, that's when you make big mistakes. Life alter. You marry the wrong person. You do. You go in the wrong direction in life. Don't do it. Be patient. God answers. And if you seek for it, the problem is, it always is this, is that God doesn't, we don't receive when we want and we don't find it exactly when we want it. Keep seeking. You'll find it. You might have to wait years. Amen? Some people... We prayed and asked God to save them and we sought for them to be saved. It took a decade. Amen. So we need to make sure that we're being faithful and that not losing our faith in God. We ask God, God will fulfill it. Do you think it's God's will for someone to be saved? Amen. Oh, we better start asking for that. Amen. That is praying within the will of God. And that looks here at knocking. Knocking. Back to verse number Seven, knock and it shall be opened unto you. I think we get the idea here. What is knock? It means to strike a door for admittance. When you go to a door and you knock on it, right? When you go and you knock, go door knocking, you knock on a door, right? That's customary. You knock on a door. That's universal around the world. You knock on a door. Why? So that you can gain admittance. Knock and it shall, once again, implies an authority to enforce the act, shall be opened means unclosed, unbarred, unsealed, uncovered, revealed. Something that is disclosed, made plain, and freed from obstruction. So what is the purpose of a door? Is to keep us from going someplace. Is to keep us out. We want to gain admittance. We look at this many times and looking and gaining admittance and directions for our life. But here it is. You know what? This is also an idea that I think we need, we've missed here. Is knocking to gain entrance into the presence of the Lord himself knocking at the heaven's throne room to gain admittance. And what is the promise? Shall be opened. We will be granted admittance. When we knock at the throne room of our heavenly father, we will gain admittance to see the king. It shall be. It's a promise. Shall be opened unto you. And not only that, Yes, does it mean direction for our life? We have we talk many times about open and closed doors. By the way, you can force doors open. 
You know what, if God, <laughs> you knock on a door and God says, that door's not for you, but if you continue to knock on it, God says, okay, here you go. You know what? <laughs> um, you know, if you want to marry somebody, you know, you knock on the door enough that God might just let you marry that person, but it's not the right one. That happens. But when we knock on the door and we gain admittance, do we believe that? Where can we get admittance? Hebrews chapter 4. Turn over there. Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 14 through 16. Entrance into the throne room of God. We looked at Hebrews this morning in Jesus being our high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed from the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's interesting. We see the knocking and the opening, but also we see here at the end, shall find seeking. You'll find what you seek there. Are you seeking for something this morning? Are you asking, what do I do? You will find it in Christ. You will find it in the word of God. You're not going to find it other places. You're not going to find it on your social media app. You're not going to find it in relationships. You're not going to find it in any person other than Jesus himself. But are we asking, seeking, and knocking? And just so Jesus didn't want them to misunderstand in verse number eight, for everyone, not just some people, not just a select few, not the Christian elite, only certain people that have reached a certain level of spiritual attainment, right? Isn't that what the cults teach? Mormons teach and all these teach, oh, you got to get to a, a certain step of enlightenment before God will, no, everyone, 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 that includes you, everyone that asketh, receiveth. Just in case Jesus, anybody listening to Jesus didn't understand, asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And Jesus goes on with the illustration that if we have our children ask us for something, we're going to give it to them if we can, right? We're not going to give them something harmful. We're not going to give them a stone, as it says here. They ask for bread, give them a stone. Uh, You ask for this, you give them a serpent, give them something harmful, trick them. If we don't do that, God most certainly isn't. He's going to give us exactly what we need. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, it, it was funny. I'll never forget in, in college as we had this old preacher come through and, and uh, um, you know, talking about, you know, finding the right one and everything. I said, you gentlemen, you know, you just need to worry about if she's godly. You know, if she is, you know, homely, and has only two buck teeth, one going this way, one going that way. You should marry him, though she's godly. <laughs> Chuckle at that. Uh, but yes, you should worry about godliness. But you know what? As many times we're afraid if we ask for that, that you know, young men, that you're going to find a young lady who said, "Well, God's going to make me marry a, you know, an ugly person." No, God's going to bring the right one at the right time. And she's going to be the most beautiful girl in all the world to you. 
for more than one reason. Amen? The same thing for you young, young ladies. I'm going to get someone that's, that's ugly. No, God's going to bring the right person to you that is going to be attractive to you spiritually. It's going to be the most attractive, the most handsome man you've ever met in all your life. Amen? For all the right reasons, by the way. Don't worry, God's going to provide you what you need. God's going to give you something that you have asked and you need and desire. He's not going to give you a stone. Amen? Amen. He's not going to give you a serpent. He's not going to trick you. He is going to give you exactly what you're seeking for. Do we seek to have? Do we ask to receive? Do we seek to find? Do we knock to have doors opened unto us? And it's interesting, Paul used that phrase, that the doors of utterance may be opened unto us. Here's the thing. You know, we wait for doors to be opened unto us, but there's an important aspect of this here, is there requires to be some what? Knocking. I'm just going to sit here and wait for the doors to open. You need to knock. Amen? Well, I don't know how to minister in this area. Well, then maybe you need to do some knocking figure out some new things. You know, it's something, this is a whole other sermon initiative. Uh, Going forward for God doesn't just happen by us sitting back doing nothing. Amen? Amen. A great quality in any person's initiative in that they go and they seek and they begin to knock. And you might be surprised what doors open unto you. If you seek in the will of God and seek, I'm seeking, Lord, and he leads you this area. It's happened over and over and over again. That's Lord said, go knock over here, and let's go in this area. What? That doesn't make any sense. Ever had that happen to you? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go knock over there. That door's closed. Go knock. Go ahead. Go knock. Boom. Door flies open. Oh, yes. Whoa. I didn't realize that. God knows and sees all. He's all wisdom. If God's leading you, go knock on a door. Amen. You know what? I'm so when I, I'm so glad I went and knocked on the door for my wife. Amen. And guess what? It didn't make any sense to me at the time. Some of you know my story of us. You know, I told her I was going to marry her freshman year, and she said, "Drop dead." So <laughs> she didn't quite say it in a nice way, but. Um, in her senior year, and, and I had been the impatient one. I got to the point, so you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to worry about it. I finally came to peace that I was going to graduate college without finding somebody. I said, well, I'll just wait. And then I said, go knock over here. Why didn't you know that girl that told you to drop dead? you know what, you shouldn't go through life being mad at her and her mad at you because we had kind of a feud thing going on. And her friends didn't like my friends and my friends didn't like her friends. You know, battle lines drawn for like three years. I said, Pastor, were you really that immature? Yes. Anyway, but went through and asked her out to lunch and just to talk and let the past be the past and hope you have a wonderful life. She still doesn't believe this. To this day, honest, that was what was going on. I didn't think anything else. Now, would I have been opposed? No, but that wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. It was literally to go knock. I don't want to go knock on that door. 
The door's been shut. Go knock on it anyway. Knock on it and people say, well, how did you know? You know, were the violins playing? No, is we sat and we didn't talk about each other. We just talked about how we wanted to serve God. Talked about missions. I'll never forget as long as I live. We just talked about missions and serving God. I was planning to go to Australia on an internship. She was going to Papua New Guinea on a missions trip. And we were just talking about ministry and serving God and what God had taught us over the last three years. And when she was talking about serving God, I wanted to say, you know, man, I, I wonder if I could be that for her and minister with her that way. And then I was beginning, I didn't realize she's doing the same thing. She's like, you know, maybe I could be that for, for him. And it was as you were talking and, and it was as if a voice from heaven, not quite, no, I don't believe it, not, it wasn't audible, but it was, this is what you're looking for. This is it. This is what you're looking for. You found it. Then what do you do, right? But, and all of that being said, and by the way, each and every one of you that are married here today, many of you can say the same thing. That's exactly what happened. It wasn't, you know, oh, yeah, it was wonderful, but at the same time, it was a, this is what you've been looking for. There's a peace and a guidance in your heart. This is, you found it. You know, when young people come to me and they say, well, you know what, I like this person or this person here and this, that. But, you know, they got, and they begin to go down the positives and the negatives, you know, and if the positives outweigh the negatives, can I just tell you something? God's going to let you know. Amen? Mom and dad, God's going to let you know. He's going to let them know all at the right time. You know what? And especially, guys, you can be bad at this, Okay. Because you're just comparing things. It's like, well, you know, I like her in, in this, that, and all this stuff, in this stuff, in this stuff, in this stuff. Can I tell you something? God's going to put it all together. You can't scheme it together. We're really bad at it, guys. We can't do that. Girls, you can't do it either. Let God put it together. I don't know why the Lord had me speak on that, but it wasn't part of my sermon, but I think it's applicable. Got a lot of young people going back to college, in college. Be just praying, just let God Take care of it. Amen. You'll know at the right time. But don't be impatient. Well, I asked and God hasn't given yet. That means it's not time yet. Don't doubt. I asked for victory. You'll have victory. You're seeking for wisdom. You'll find it. You knocked on the door. It'll be opened. Want to be in the presence of God? Want to have the smile of God? Have the power of God? Knock on the door you'll be admitted. Why? Not because of our righteousnesses, but because of Christ. So this morning, are we, do we have faith? Do we really believe that God's going to answer that? Or are we impatient? Well, I'm just going to make my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own path in life. Don't do that. Wait for God's direction. He'll always, always provide. You can ask my wife, I am the most impatient person. I'm extremely impatient. And I was like, I don't see it. I don't see it. My wife says, well, you just need to wait. And you know what? Every time she said wait, she's right. Because God always delivers on time. And every time I've run ahead, oh, there have been times you run ahead, Pastor. Oh, yes. Everybody's run ahead. You know what I'm talking about. You've run ahead. You've gone ahead and done something. And they're like, well, that wasn't the best. Don't run ahead of God. Trust him. Grow in your faith. Grow in your relationship with him. Grow in your prayer life. It is really that simple.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless our invitation time this morning. Lord, that we would just have the humble faith and simple faith to ask and to know that you will give. To seek and that you will guide us to and we'll find what we seek. To knock and the door will be opened. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us. Forgive us for when we doubt. Forgive us for when we run ahead. Forgive us when we are impatient. I pray as the new year approaches that we would take this to a new level in our life with you and our relationship with you and to trust you all the more. Pray your blessing on this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.